The following program is brought to you free of charge by the generous sponsorship of an anonymous donor in honour of Saints Thomas Aquinas and Teresa of Avila. Please keep this donor in your prayers. Uh, that music sounded a little bit like The Dark Knight. You are not mistaken. It does definitely have that uh, sound to it. Uh, welcome to Restoration Radio. Um, I am one of your hosts, Stephen Heiner, together with Nicholas Wansbutter of Swords in Space. Today our show is going to talk about the newly released movie Snow White and the Huntsman, uh, which Nicholas had a chance to see. I think uh, he got away with it as an excuse for an anniversary outing uh, with his wife. Maybe, maybe he didn't get away for it, but... Uh, Nicholas, why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the movie, just a, sort of a brief overview. All right, well, it's a very new movie, just released, uh, I think, pretty much everywhere in the world this past Friday, June the 1st. It's a new twist on, on a very old tale, uh, that being the tale of Snow White. It uh, stars some fairly well-known actors, uh, Kristen Stewart, who's perhaps better known for her roles in the Twilight series. Um, Chris Hemsworth uh, plays the role of the Huntsman, uh, Ms. Stewart, of course, being Snow White. And then uh, Charlize Theron is, uh, plays the evil queen, the evil stepmother queen. It's, uh, without getting into any spoilers, just to give a quick synopsis, everyone knows the basic uh, Snow White story, or I think most people do in any event. Uh, and... Uh, so that's the the basis that we have. You have the the beautiful uh, young girl with uh, sn- uh, skin as white as snow, lips as red as the rose, hair as black as the raven, and uh, she has the evil stepmother. Her father's dead. The stepmother rules the kingdom and wants to get rid of uh, uh, her stepdaughter, and um, it takes it from the uh, kind of plays upon the aspect of where the Queen hires the huntsman to rid herself of uh, the stepdaughter, and then in this, the uh, huntsman ends up becoming uh, Snow White's uh, protector, and uh, they embark upon a a quest to overthrow the evil queen. So um, it's uh, I'd characterize it as an adult version of uh, the story, but uh, not adult in a bad way or a uh, um, immoral way. Uh, as we get into discussing the uh, the themes of it, it's uh, a movie that I'd say I went in with low expectations and was quite pleasantly surprised. It's uh, done fairly well uh, in the in the box office. It hasn't been a runaway uh, uh, hit the way certain other recent releases have been. It's not a phenomenon uh, like the Hunger Games that we discussed in a previous show, but I think it grossed just under $60 million in the opening weekend, so uh, it's certainly uh, respectable and proving somewhat popular. 
and uh, I think it does present a uh, opportunity for us to discuss a number of themes that are uh, near and dear to the hearts of Catholics and are uh, of inter- general interest to anyone, I think. So to follow along the uh, theme or the uh, progression that we did when we were looking at Hunger Games, I think first I'd want to talk about is it good fantasy? And uh, I'll ask Stephen to jump in here in a minute, but uh, one thing I'd point out at the outset is uh, I think the uh, previews of the film are misleading in a number of ways, and uh, one of them I think is uh, the dark tone of the film. Uh, one of my uh, readers on Swords in Space uh, made the comment of how uh, he wasn't too, hadn't been too keen on seeing it because he thought, oh, another grim, dark adult fantasy film. Um, and for those not to know, grim dark is a reference to uh, a tabletop game, Warhammer 40,000, that's known for its very dark and oppressive. Uh, a background theme to it where there aren't really any good guys. Even the, quote, good guys, unquote, are pretty uh, evil and do all sorts of, uh, do some pretty bad things, and I guess it's supposed to be a certain level of moral ambiguity, but uh, Snow White and the Huntsman, uh, I didn't find it that dark, really. Um, of course, it has dark elements. The Queen is very evil, as befits the... Uh, antagonist, especially in a fantasy work, but the uh, protagonists are pretty good heroic individuals, the, the type of individuals that we like and want to see in uh, this type of work, and there's certainly, um, in terms of the fan- fantastic elements, there's certainly black magic type of elements, certainly uh, focused around the queen, but there's also some, shall I say, more happy, cheerful elements that would be at home in uh, C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. So, uh, I mean, really, I'd say it's no darker than Lord of the Rings, really. Uh, Stephen, do you uh, share my assessment in that regard? Well, goodness sakes, there's so many different ways I could go, uh, given given all the thoughts that you've laid in front of us. when you're talking about that moral ambiguity, I'm thinking, of course, this would be tokens that at some point we're going to have to do a show on Game of Thrones. Um, I'll, I'll leave that for another time because, um, you know, talking about that dark concept, I think, though, you need to also say that that was part of the reasons you had the low expectations going into the film, that the trailers sort of gave you an idea of, of a different type of movie. And, and when I told you that I had liked it, then, then you were a bit more... Been more willing to see it, but I think maybe that's that's what sells. I think that's that's why they made the trailer that way because, especially I think in the summer that the final Batman is coming out, um, I think a lot of people. I don't know why that's so popular. I, I think that, that might be a comment for another show, but uh, why the dark is so popular? Is it good fantasy? I I, I like the elements. I think what I. I got a lot of uh, uh, feedback from some of my students about Kristen Stewart. I've never seen her in a movie prior to this, so I didn't bring any Kristen Stewart baggage to watching her performance. Uh, it wasn't the, the most uh, amazing theatrical performance, but I thought she played her. I thought she played her role well, and I, I liked. 
I liked the the elements of, of magic and um, and fairies and uh, the the element of the mirror, the mirror as its own character. And I think it does that in the original uh, fairy tale as well. But here, without giving too much away, the mirror is its own character as well. It isn't simply some mirror talking back to you. It, it has its own sort of dark purpose, I think. Um, to serve Ravenna, who is the Charlize Theron character. But, Nicholas, what would you, before I answer that, I guess, what would you argue is the purpose of fantasy? Uh, That's a a good question. And I would say, I I think fantasy serves a similar purpose to that which science fiction serves. And I think that's why the two genres are generally lumped together uh, in the many a bookstore that I've visited they are one section you'll have uh, fantasy intermingled with science fiction works and most people n- hear of the genre sci-fi fa- slash fantasy so I think it has uh, the uh, similar purpose of um, certain uh, a level of escapism um uh, something to take you away from the everyday, but at the same time, using the differentness and the taking the reader out of his own world and his own uh, environment that he's used to, uh, can uh, make commentaries or give messages about the world that we do live in that maybe aren't so easily made in another uh, uh, genre. And, um, I mean, of course, the purpose of all fiction is to entertain. And I think that's certainly uh, an aspect of fantasy as well. So taking those three headings, that's why I say I think uh, this film did a pretty decent job of accomplishing all three of those. Um, I, I would agree, and I, I, I guess I would I would say that one of the aspects you brought up I would say a different way is sort of enlarging the moral universe that good and evil still dwells even in the 28th century or even in the fantasy world of Snow White that there are certain things that are good and evil um, and that that can be seen universally and I think that is its own lesson as well and I think to your point I think the film does that fairly well. I think there are some points at which, you know, there's missed opportunities, but I do think that there there are some good things going on there. Right. And speaking of missed opportunities, uh, I'd segue into how this film gives us a bit of a look at the role of church in society, because uh, one of the things you pointed out to me when you were encouraging me to see the film was the... Uh, I'd say surprisingly uh, um, obvious aspects of Christianity. I suppose they try to portray it as a bland, sort of a neutral, uh, what C.S. Lewis might have called, quote, mere Christianity, unquote. Although, really, I'd say it's the trappings of Catholicism, really, because they're near the beginning of the film. I mean, this doesn't give anything away. Uh, the Snow White's father marries uh, the evil Queen Ravenna, and the uh, wedding ceremony is held in a medieval-style cathedral with, I don't know, about what, half a dozen 
bishops in mitres with croziers and uh, wearing nice uh, copes that uh, any uh, any you know would be recognized as Catholic. And, and any um, self-respecting bishop would be seen in. Right. Um, so that, and just as a quick side note on that, I'm, I am I tried looking up to see if I could find some pictures on the internet to confirm this, but I'm positive there was a monstrance on the altar behind the bishops in that scene. So there wasn't a big crucifix on the wall, but I'm sure there, that was a monstrance that I saw. Well, and the, the, back to your point, there had to be some kind of trapping there. Um, because this is what makes that universe, I think, something transcendent. I think if you go back to a medieval world in which there is no church or there is no religion, it I don't want to say it loses its savor, but I don't know that it appeals to moderns. I think, at least on the aesthetical level, moderns like to see that, even if there's not a strict connection to the faith. They see that right. and they go, okay, I get where we are. It's, it's sort of a marker. And so, yeah, yes, well, they managed to airbrush it out later on. But in the beginning, there, yes, there may have been a monstrance there. Right. And I, I think on that point, of modern anyone, but modern people as well, expect to see that religious element in a medieval setting. And I think it rings hollow to them if they see a medieval setting that doesn't have the religious aspect. And it's interesting because a lot of fantasy authors, a lot of people who are into fantasy, really fight against that. Like They really want to try and annihilate any religion from their works. But um, and, and I remember when I used to work for uh, an online magazine, Darganzine, there was always a, a war between some of the more militant atheist writers in that group and... Uh, the believers are the more neutral ones about whether there should be any religion depicted. Now, of course, the world that that magazine writes in, there's all kinds of uh, religion stuff in there. And even uh, in uh, the very popular uh, A Song of Rape and Torture, I, I mean uh, A Song of uh, Ice and Fire, also known as Game <laughs> of Thrones. For those who don't know, Nicholas uh, is referring to the book that's the basis for Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, even that has uh, religion and a church that's quite Catholic-like, actually. Especially the more you see it, you start seeing more uh, trappings of Catholicism. Mm. So, um, so I think it's uh, necessary to medieval peace, but also a missed opportunity, Stephen. Uh, that's something that I know you picked up on the, when you, we were talking before the show. You felt that the movie makers had wimped out, in a way, by uh, not going the next step and integrating religion more into the film. Right. Well, and I, I, uh, the missed opportunity, one of the missed opportunities is we have Kristen Stewart in the first 15 minutes of the movie. And again, I don't think I'm giving anything away here. I think it's fair to say that um, the king was married, Snow White was his daughter, his wife died, and Ravenna, who was uh, captured, um, who, uh, there was a war, and Ravenna came in and uh, imprisoned Snow White. And there you can sort of get the first 15 minutes of the movie, still worth watching all that, that uh, in Snow White's imprisonment, she's made little dolls of her parents. She says an Our Father, a full-length Our Father, and I was thinking to myself as I was watching this, A, I was amazed. B, I was thinking, well, what else are we going to see in this movie? And I hate to disappoint fellow trads out there, but you're not going to see too much else. 
that that's as close to an overt display of religion as we're going to see. Later on, we're going to see these elements airbrushed out. So uh, I think early on, in early drafts of the story that didn't get changed, there was still this religious element here, but it's almost a vestigial remnant because by the time we get to the end of the movie, there's a more humanistic bent and religion is, is not a part of it. We get the sort of vague good of the realm, good and justice and peace, but obviously certainly not directed towards religion, certainly not something as specific as Christ. Right. Uh, yeah, although there were still a few elements that snuck in later. Like There's talk about uh, Snow White of being a uh, perfectly a pure or... individual, like almost like a not not an immaculate conception, but I kind of came to mind of like uh, Saint Joan of Arc and her purity and how you know the you know the the beautiful pure maid was the one that was able to save France. Well, yeah, and I think Joan of Arc has to be the obvious parallel, especially when you're going to see Kristen Stewart in her armor later on. And and because we have the example of Joan of Joan of Arc in Catholic history, I think there's a natural. Um, comparison there that that makes sense but uh i guess we can talk about one of the twists here when she's with the eight then seven dwarves they experience that their their ailments are better around her presence and i think obviously this has to do with communion and our lord that there is a a a grace and um what we would in the traditional um we would say sacrament of the sick after trent i would say one of one of the few things we can say, Trent's reaction, extreme unction, prior to Trent's formulation of extreme unction, there used to be anointing of the sick uh, as part of remedies, that if you were sick, then you might be anointed as opposed to get better, as opposed to only receiving anointing in extremis. So, too, with Snow White, just her presence around is a sort of external light viaticum that these dwarves, feel better around her, um, that they are, her presence brings that, that joy, nature sees it, nature responds to her, um, there's a, there's a quality about her that's very attractive. Right. And before I, we go any further into the Joan of Arc thing, uh, and masculine feminine roles, just, a, a comment I'd make about whether the filmmakers wimped out my, my impression, I, I don't know anything about the particular maker of this film. I mean, if, uh, but um, I, I wonder if it wimping out or is it just doesn't know any better? Because I think as we get further and further into this post-Christian era that we discussed in the other show, whether we're in a post-Christian era, and I said that I think we are, we get further into that, we're starting to have individuals who have zero experience or encounter with Christianity of any form, and uh, so they don't have any animus towards Christianity. They're just completely ignorant of it, and they might not even be scared of being portraying too much Christianity. They just don't really know any better. And I know I've met a few individuals like this that, like, they're atheists just because they've never even had a, a hint of religion in their lives growing up, not because they have anything against it. 
No, I think I think you're dead on with that comment. I mean, who knows? The filmmakers maybe uh, didn't have the strong anti-Catholic background where you see in writers of stories like The Golden Compass, uh, where their sworn oath is to destroy Christianity. Uh, but maybe they just don't know any better, and this was the best. And, it, and it's interesting that even uh, indifferent or unknowing homage is still an homage of sorts to Christianity, um, which which I think is its own... Uh, interesting thing, and and um, in that same, re- you know, going back to the thing, uh, going back to what you know, perhaps this is the best that they can reconstruct of what they think of male and female roles in this period. And I think that was one of your fears going into this movie. You were worried that it was going to be, you know, a, a Xena warrior princess, uh, right? Full length film, right? Well, and, and see, that's again where I say that the the previews are misleading because. That the, the previews I saw, that's completely how they make it look. Like they, uh, I uh, thought I was going to be going to watch a movie where for half the film, where Snow White was going to be going around bashing people over the head with her sword, and I thought they were going to their uh, new twist on Snow White was instead of having her the beautiful, sweet, kind, gentle young girl, she was going to become this ridiculous warrior woman. Uh, like I hear they did with Dejah Thoris in uh, John Carter of Mars. And when I read about that, I I don't know if I'm even going to uh, have anything to do with that film. Uh, but um, that's not the way uh, it plays out in the film. Uh, and uh, one of the, the things that I was really sticking in my mind as I came out of that film, I was saying, wow, that was a refreshingly non-feminist film. And I felt that Snow White and the Huntsman, uh, and again, maybe this is through pure uh, ignorance that they accidentally stumbled upon this or they just felt that this would make it more authentic. Like The, the uh, gender roles, if, you, if I can use that term, are remarkably sane and normal in the film. I mean... Snow White does don armor, as we see in the film, but the film makes it kind of look like she's really engaging in the action and she's leading from the front and, uh, you know, kicking lots of bad guy butt. But really, I mean, as I could tell, it looks like they basically put armor on her so she doesn't get killed in two seconds because <laughs> yeah, no, she and has I think to again, accompany the army to get not- into the castle. Yeah, it's failure of the trailer, or maybe that's just what the trailer wanted us, but... She she was leading so that she she had a specific role in that battle and we don't we don't give too much away but her role in that battle was not to go and take on the whole army she had a specific mission and so she she was just wearing that and there's a part two in which the huntsman is showing her you know maybe how to defend herself and she responds you know I can't do that he, he you know he says you know you have to do this in, in a certain way if you're if you're going to fight and and she says you know that's basically that's not me I can't do that. And uh, and right. he doesn't he doesn't laugh at her, or spit at her, or anything. He he concedes that yes, that might be part of your nature of being a, a gentle and sweet woman. That that's not you're not excited about spilling another man's blood, right? Uh, and Nicholas, what did you think of the subversion of of the huntsman and the noble? Um, obviously, Snow White of noble blood should be paired with a noble. Uh, prince, and we see, and again, I don't want to give too much of the story away, there is a relationship there, but ultimately it's, it, it's the, the title is the giveaway, that there's a bit more of a connection with the Huntsman, and almost would you would you say courtly love? 
Yeah, because it does. It's not. It's not overtly romantic. There's not this. You know, there's a, a, a mutual respect and a protection from the huntsman. But the movie doesn't leave us with any sort of notion that there's there's going to be this. You know, deep torrid love affair between yeah. the huntsman and Snow White. Well, it, it leaves a, it a little bit ambiguous. But another thing I liked about the film is uh, that there seems to be an indication that she's going to end up with the prince because it's both of their duty that the, or not the prince, he's the duke's son. But there seems to be this, um, and there's one particular scene where some comments are made in that regard that uh, they can't, being royalty and nobility, they can't just do what they want, that they have to do their duty. So, uh, so there, there's, uh, again, another kind of a traditional uh, sense of, and it, it, I think it's quite interesting in a romantic realm because, I mean, to the modern person, even to modern traditional Catholics, the idea of an arranged marriage is absolutely anathema. <laughs> that's, but, that's, a, that's a topic for another show, I suppose. Right. But, and, you know, religious, or, uh, sorry, romantic love, 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 L-U-V, 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 is... Uh, really promoted as that's the key to a marriage, that's the core, and that should be your primary deciding factor. Um, and you're just, uh, you know, you're just superficial if you're interested in looking for a spouse who is good at sewing or good at cooking or good with children, or for a man you're looking for a man who's, you know, got a decent job, is going to be able to support the family, has good health so that he's going to be able to support you. There seems to be a trend among trads and moderns alike that that's superficial, that's bad to think that way, and it's just uh, love, love, love is is the key. So I I, I thought that was another thing that was kind of refreshing, seeing this sense of duty in that. But I want to, in the time we have left, we only have a few minutes left, but I want to go back again to the masculine and feminine roles because I said that was one of the things I really liked about this movie because finally a movie that takes place in a medieval setting where the people actually have some of those more old-style values. Like, you don't see any women warriors. You don't have all these Amazons running around. It's actually interesting that I, I don't think this is giving anything away that you have one scene where you see a whole bunch of women that are kind of hiding out in this village while their men are all off fighting against the queen, Right, because that's, that's what they're doing. Yeah, we don't have any Ridley Scott, Robin Hood, Maid Marian, you know, cutting through everybody with swords here. Or Robin Hood talking back to the king, you know, as if he were an equal to him. Um, so I, I do think that's refreshing. And to your point about, you know, is it something that, that we should watch? I, I um, Apart from the fact that you're, we haven't, we haven't, I think we focused a bit on Kristen Stewart, but you've got Bob Hoskins and Chris Hemsworth, who I'm a huge fan of as Thor, both in, in the Thor movie and in the Avengers movie, they're bringing quite a bit to the role. As I said, it's not an Academy Award-winning role, but they hold up their roles quite well, and it's part of the tapestry of this movie. It's an ensemble. It is about Snow White, but uh, we don't have time to talk about Charlize Theron's role as the queen. But I feel, again, there's a missed opportunity there because I feel evil is somewhat mitigated there in her story. But um, all of these actors turn in, I think, good performances that help you believe the tapestry of the movie. See, uh, I, I'm just going to quickly 
before we run out of time, disagree with you slightly on Charlize Theron. I thought that she as an evil character was pretty well done because I didn't th- find her evil that mitigated as well at all. I I thought it was a good portrayal of the idea what, that no one is no one is born evil. Hmm. You remember the flashback of the backstory? Right, right. I remember it, but uh, the take I took from that is the idea, which I think is a very Christian one, that no one is born evil, and that they choose evil, and that <laughs> when things happen to you in life, you can choose how you're going to deal with that, and she clearly chose an evil path, and I, I thought she was pretty well portrayed as like this kind of totally psychotic uh, evil woman who's sold her soul to the devil, um, for for fame and power and beauty, uh, so I, I I actually I thought that was uh, I, I didn't think it really was that mitigated. Well, I like I I agree with you that I like her performance. I I think I was just I felt that we could have done without that flashback scene. I do think that you're right about choosing evil, and I think that that scene somewhat shows that. But I do feel too that we know. We can we can sense from and there we didn't mention there's a brother her brother's involved in helping her that we know that there's there might have been some choice there but I do see your point that that maybe that scene helps bring out the choice aspect as opposed to excusing it which is maybe how I saw it um, so maybe that that was a really helpful helpful uh, because I know we're 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 running short on time was there anything else. I think we're going to run a little bit over our show mark, but is there anything else you wanted to cover in overtime? Um, I, I think those were all the points that that I uh, those were all the points that I really wanted to cover. I thought were important to to cover in this film. Maybe just one thing to go over is: is this a, a film for traditional Catholics to watch? Uh, pre- pre- I would from say the, yes. uh, Yeah, and I'm thinking of it from the perspective of. Uh, as I commented on Swords in Space uh, about John Carter of Mars, you know, for us guilty Catholics, you know, Catholics being known for their guilt, is this a, a film that's going to be dangerous in any way? I, I, uh, I think this film is a lot less dangerous than many a film that's available for viewing right now. I would agree. Yeah. I, I would. Would you put an age limit on this? I know you have younger children. I'm used to working with teenagers as a teacher, so I would say this is definitely fine for for high schoolers. How do you feel yeah, about would, younger children? Hmm, it's hard to say. Uh, I I think I'm perhaps a bit more permissive or liberal than than others of our uh, social group. I think in traditional Catholics here might be. Um, in terms of letting younger children see violence and things like that. Um, I mean, uh, it depends on child, depends on how uh, mature they are and just whether they would be scared by what they see in the film, but it's by no means gory. I think it's less intense than the Lord of the Rings movies in terms of the battle scenes and uh, monsters and things like that. So I think sure. probably younger children could watch this than could watch uh, the Lord of the Rings films. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's it's a good film, and there's no swearing in it. Uh, not that swearing is the worst sin ever, but it's uh, you know it doesn't have any profanity in it. Lord's name is never taken in vain in it, which is uh, a miracle. <laughs> 
right, because, I mean, so many films have that. Um, well, I think... I, I, I mean, there's no, no sensuality. I, I think the hope is that this does well so Hollywood can see that such a movie can be made and they'll make another. I mean, there's certainly no room for Cinderella and the Huntsman, but uh, maybe they can... They could take another uh, fairy tale and and put a twist on it and and observe some of these same norms here and not feel constrained. You know, people saying, "Well, you need to add more sensuality or you need to add more violence," and just say, "Look, it worked. Uh, people liked it and people went to go see it." And so that's what I'm hoping for uh, in this is that um, more movies like this get made and some of those missed opportunities we talked about maybe they get taken up by someone who knows a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yeah, it, it would be interesting to see a film that, or a version of the film that had more of the uh, Christianity Catholicism infused into it, and I think there could have been a fantastic tie and maybe it was still a little bit there in terms of her praying the Our Father at the beginning and then how she applies that into her own life. And I think there is a little bit of it in terms of the forgive us our sins as those who sin against us. Um, in terms of how she deals with the queen and her attitude towards uh, towards her, seems to have a bit of that. Yes, but, um, I, I agree. And well, and I think, um, and we don't usually announce our next shows on our shows, but I think to your point, um, a movie that is going to have to and is going to be held to account is the Cristeros movie because that's about the Cristeros. So. It, we're really going to be looking at how you treat Catholicism and the church in that movie because there's no reason for the movie without the Cristeros. So uh, I'll be very interested to see. I know you've heard some mixed reviews. Um, I'm I'm going to be seeing it this weekend, uh, and we'll see how it plays out there. Because there's right. a responsibility that movie has that uh, that Snow White does not have. Right. Although I, I yeah, one of the reviews I read is people complaining that. Uh, that it's uh, too much uh, Catholicism in it, which is a rather ironic complaint about a film that's, well, that's, that's all that, about it. That sounds it. like a very good criticism to me, then. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, that makes it sound pretty good. The thing I'm hesitant about is the, the trailers make it look like it's all about religious liberty, not about uh, for Christ the King. But right. From uh, some reviews I've heard that make it sound like maybe this is another film where the trailer is a bit misleading, and maybe they made it that way to get people to come because people are most modern people, uh, most modern Catholics are going to be more gung ho about going to see uh, you know long live uh, religious liberty rather than long live Christ the King. Well, who knows? I mean, Bishop Fillet might do a trailer for it in which he says, "Well, they're only arguing for a very limited religious liberty." <laughs> You know, and we should we should celebrate that. I mean, who knows? Bishop Felipe endorsed the new Cristeros movie as part of a religious liberty outreach. You know, Bishop Felipe being such a big fan of religious liberty these days. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I'm sorry, I, I couldn't resist that. Um, well, Nicholas, is, is anything else that uh, you feel like we've missed? Uh, I know this has been this is your bailiwick, uh, running swords in space. So I'm really glad to have you sort of run the show today. Um, Anything else that you're you're thinking of that you want to share? Uh, no, I think that uh, that pretty much covers it. Well, um, why don't we give the uh, the listeners the full Snow White theme uh, to take us out 
and then uh, then we'll end the show, and we will see you all uh, next time on Restoration Radio. I have been uh, one of your hosts, Stephen Heiner, joined by Nicholas Monsbutter, and we've uh, been happy to have you with us. program was brought to you free of charge by the generous sponsorship of an anonymous donor in honor of saints thomas aquinas and teresa of avila please keep this donor in your prayers